Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Inman, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Molly Alverson, and I am a ninth grader at Cedar Ridge High School. Um, this morning, I'll be reading scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 through 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boost all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For sake of Christ, for whenever I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. So, good morning. My name is Ellie Crone. I'm currently a junior at Chapel Hill High School. And if you haven't already heard, which I hope you have been paying attention, it is Youth Sunday. I promise I'm not doing this every week. Um, (laughs) But you do get the wonderful pleasure of getting to see all the youth in action. And so, with all that being said, I do want to say a huge thank you to you guys as a church It does mean a lot, especially with COVID, it's been really hard as the youth group tends to be focused a lot on community and working together. And so it means a lot to know that you guys as a church are willing to still come and see us try our best and have some fun. And so with all that being said, as you probably have already heard, the theme for this week is recovery. And I would like to think that I'm relatively well-versed in that. Um, And so growing up, I've always struggled a little bit with anxiety and depression. I think it's something that we all have a little bit of. And especially in my elementary years, in my young years, I've always had a little bit of separation anxiety. I would get very nervous about little things and I would get so worked up and I would blow way out of proportion. And realistically, I didn't know that was not normal um, in the way that I took it. And so it wasn't until actually middle school that it got really bad. I was constantly anxious. I literally, I remember like every Sunday night, I would just cry myself to sleep because I was so scared to go back to school on Monday. I was scared I had forgotten an assignment and I had no idea what to do with myself. And it got to the point in about eighth grade where I just, the, the thought of going to high school is very intimidating if you don't know. If you don't remember high school, that transition is really rough. Um, but for me, I was getting really nervous. Some of my friends were going to a different high school And I didn't know what to do with myself, and I ended up just completely spiraling. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea who I was, and I felt wrong going to church because I didn't believe in God at this point. I thought I did, but I couldn't understand why this was happening to me. And so my parents eventually found out that I wasn't doing so great, and I ended up getting a therapist and a psychiatrist. And that seemed to help temporarily. And so, you know, I continued kind of going to church. I continued trying to be normal. I tried to pretend that everything was totally fine. And so it wasn't until freshman year of high school, um, my second semester, we all know what happened. COVID hit, and it was a disaster. And (laughs) for somebody who has anxiety, I felt like this was a blessing in disguise. I felt like not having to go to the grocery store, not having to talk to people, That was awesome. (laughs) Like, I mean, honestly, like, the assignments were so easy now because the teachers couldn't make me do it. I could just say my Wi-Fi was out, my printer was broken. 
Perfect. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, the novelty of getting to stay at home all the time quickly wore off for me, as I'm sure as it did for many others. And I started spiraling again. And this time, since I had some supports already in place, I tried to just keep it under wraps. I didn't tell my parents. I tried to become more involved in the church. And, you know, it actually worked out okay. I started playing on the worship team, and I am so glad I did that. I love it so much. Um, <laughs> and I felt like I was trying to make changes. I was trying to make myself better without telling anybody. I didn't want anybody to know. And so I tried to lean on God a little bit, but it still felt insincere. It felt ingenuine. It felt like I was just trying to get something from him. And the second that I was done with him, like the second I didn't need him, I just tossed him out. And so I was trying to pray. I was trying to read the Bible. I was just trying to understand what was going on. And I was begging God for answers. Obviously those answers never came, but it seemed to help. And so my sophomore year of high school, it was completely virtual. It was, you know, so the novelty, once again, of being able to sleep in and say my Wi-Fi wasn't working or my camera's busted. Oh, my laptop charger broke. I can't charge it. It doesn't turn on. You know, that was wonderful. And the novelty of that, once again, quickly wore off by the second semester. I was miserable. The isolation was proving to be detrimental and I felt like I wasn't making any progress. I felt like God was totally betraying me. I had, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea where I was going. I had no idea who I was as a person. And I started spiraling once again like crazy. Like it was really, really bad. It was some of the hardest nights, some of the hardest weeks, some of the hardest months of my entire life. I felt like I couldn't go anywhere. I kept myself in my room, even though I knew I should get out. <laughs> I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell my friends. I just stopped talking to people. I stopped doing anything that I felt would be helpful, and I started coping in really negative ways. And I just kind of tried to pretend that everything was okay. I kept going to church. I kept trying to just have this whole facade, like that it was just okay and that I was fine and that the world was not crashing and burning, even though it felt like it was. And so... I remember one day I was actually doing a youth thing and Brad was doing his typical little, how was your week? How was your day? You know, the typical really annoying questions that I hate being asked, those kinds of questions. And he must have asked just the right question because suddenly before I could even blink my eyes, before I could even stop myself, I was just completely <laughs> word vomiting all over him. Every thought that was in my head at that point just like came out, negative thoughts, positive thoughts, everything, all those things that were tangled up in my head just decided to spew out onto him. And that was a fun day because I felt an immense amount of relief. <laughs> I felt so happy that this was finally out there. I felt like maybe it was okay for once, but I was also absolutely terrified because I did not know what Brad was gonna do. I did not want him to tell my parents. I did not want him to take it anywhere. I just wanted it to stay. I, wanted, I just wanted to talk to him and for him to keep it all and that it would be okay. And he did that to an extent, obviously. He tried his best, you know, I'll give him credit. Um, and so that day, that conversation started one of the best friendships, is that what I'd call it? Brad and I, we're tight. Um, 
<laughs> I text him every day, um, telling him like the stupidest things, like, oh my gosh, I made pasta for lunch. And it's like, it's great. But he helped me kind of get out of my shell a little bit. He got me to <laughs> talk to my parents, and he sort of facilitated some changes that would prove to be really, really beneficial for me. And I was really scared still. And for once, I felt like I could actually tell people, like, I'm not doing good. Like, I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to look for. And, you know, it just seemed to be a little bit better. And so for a couple of months, I was doing pretty solid, I think. And, you know, I was talking to people. I was honest. I was vulnerable. And I started giving my relationship with God another chance, a more genuine actual chance before it had seemed like a give and take like God I want this please give it to me and then I'll be out of your hair and we're good and God did not like that um <laughs> and so with the help of Brad in particular you know and Josh Josh Abraham yeah <laughs> we kind of worked together to find things that could help me deepen my relationship with God that wasn't just the typical praying or reading the Bible. You know, we started doing things like music. I would try and invest myself a lot more into my music. You know, I would take walks, you know, just all these little things to help deepen that relationship with God. And so it seemed like I wasn't alone for once. And so then, of course, junior year, last year, in about July, I want to say, the school decided that they were going back completely in person and there would not be a virtual alternative. And that was stressful. I felt like all this progress I had made from like being isolated and withdrawn, like I felt like I was making progress and that I could be cool to be by myself and alone. And I was finally able to work through that. And then of course I have to have this huge switch to like, I have to be in person with people. And that means I have to get up and do my laundry and brush my hair. That is very difficult. Um, and I know for a lot of students, it was very, very intense. It was very challenging to have to go back in person because we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what the expectations for us were. And so I ended up fixating on this detail so much. I fixated on every worst possible scenario. And it got so intense that I felt like I couldn't even be alone with my thoughts or something horrible was going to happen. And so... At the end of August, I go back to school. I went back to school for one day. And I realized that this wasn't it. This was horrible. It was the end of the world. I did not like it. And so it was determined by my dad and my therapist at the time that it might be best for me to go to the hospital. So I did. I went to the hospital for about a week and a half, two weeks or so. And it was horrible. I don't recommend it. It was very intimidating. But, you know, it's definitely not somewhere I'd take somebody on a first date, is what I'm saying here. Um, and so I ended up feeling a little bit better after the hospital. The hospital, especially the psychiatric ward, isn't meant to fix you. It's more to get you stable so that you can go back into society and find help in your care providers. And you can just kind of function and you're not completely miserable all the time, right? And so... Obviously, I went to the hospital, and for a few weeks after that, I felt okay. I felt like God may actually be here. You know, I felt really scared in the hospital. I felt very alone, but, you know, I tried to pray to him every, every day. Honestly, I did. I tried to pray to him. I tried to talk to him. For once, like, I felt like God was hearing what I was saying, and he wasn't just throwing it out, right? And then everything kind of took a turn. 
a few weeks into September, my parents decided that they were going to separate. And while, you know, I knew this was coming, I, I did. It didn't ease the pain at all. I still felt hurt. I felt scared and betrayed. And as a result of that separation, there has been some messy custody arrangements. And it's been very tough <laughs> for me to not know who I'm staying with or what I'm supposed to be doing. And I just felt betrayed again. I got really isolated. I tried to do everything that I could while I was at home, but church ended up becoming my safe space. I felt like God was trying to finally listen to me. And so, you know, I would come to church as often as I could. I would go to youth group. I'd go to hunger gang. I'd do all the things because I felt like the people here were listening to what I had to say. And I felt like at home, I couldn't be there because my parents were arguing or they were fighting about whatever little details. And it was, it was frustrating. And I felt like God was still there, but I, I ended up spiraling again, right? I felt like God was there. I was going to church. I felt like I was doing all these right things. And then this divorce, this whole custody arrangement, it was sending me, it was sending me crazy. It was, I was spiraling like crazy. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know what my future held for me. And so I ended up going to the hospital twice more. In the span of about a month and a half, which was not fun, it was not fun either time, wouldn't recommend it, still, still wouldn't recommend it, um, <laughs> and it was really hard. I stopped going to church after going to the hospital that many times, I was just tired, I felt like God had just, you know, I felt like he was there, but he just wasn't helping me in the ways that I wanted to be helped, you know, and so I just stopped going to church, and so for about two and a half months, I didn't go to church. I didn't do anything. You know, I would sit in my room. I would have some snacks laid out by my bed. And I would just live most of my days eating those snacks and only getting out, getting up and going out of my room to use the bathroom or, you know, get water. It was miserable. I just stopped everything that I reminded me of church. It was horrible. I didn't know what to do with myself. I stopped praying. I stopped reading my Bible. In fact, I even lost my Bible. That was really embarrassing. But I did find it, so that was cool. Um, I stopped playing guitar. Like, anything that reminded me of church, I just, I felt so alone and scared once again, and I felt like, God, maybe he was up there listening, but I didn't feel like he was hearing what I was saying, you know, just kind of going in one ear out the other. And so... I was just miserable. I was isolated. I didn't talk to anybody. And so after those long two and a half months, I guess one day I decided that it was time. It was time to come back. And I was scared. I was so scared. I was terrified. I did not know what to expect. I was scared that I would come in and nobody would know who I was. Nobody would even notice that I would have been gone. And it was quite the opposite. I remember, <laughs> I remember that Sunday. I remember I was really, really nervous, and I was sitting in the back of the fellowship hall, and some people just started coming in and talking to me and being so happy to see me. And I was scared they were going to ask all these questions about where I've been, and I was so embarrassed. I didn't want to tell them what I had been doing because I'm not proud of that. And I was so, <laughs> I was so relieved that like everybody came and talked to me, and they were so happy to see me. It just meant so much. And I'm here now, right? So I guess it must have worked out because I'm sticking through it. Um, and 
you know, my relationship with God, I think it's gotten a lot better. I think coming back to church was a really good move on my part. And I guess it was, it was hard. It's been hard. It's still hard, right? And, you know, like even in the past week, I've been totally miserable. Like I've just been stressed with everything going on in my life. And, you know, it, I, I, I know God's there. I know he is. And I know that he's probably listening to what I'm saying right now. And he's probably taking it seriously. But sometimes I feel really scared. and I feel really alone still. And, you know, I have to do my little text to Brad like, oh, my gosh, Brad, what am I going to do? And he's, he's there to remind me that it's okay. And that's, you know, I have a really hard time comprehending the idea of God. Because for me, sometimes the thing I need the most is for God to just reach down and give me a huge hug. Like, there's days, like, literally every day, honestly, where I feel like God isn't giving me what I want because all I want is a hug, and he's not giving me one, so I don't know what you want. And, you know, it took me a really long time to realize that sometimes he sends really cool people into your life. You know, for me, that's my parents, my family, my friends, Brad, you know, Corey, Adam, Josh, you know. (laughs) He sends really awesome people into my life to give me that hug for him. Give me that hug, all right? And that's so nice, right? And so every now and then I get a hug from Brad, and I'm like, oh, this is a God hug. I just know it. And it's great. It makes me feel so much better. And, you know, suddenly becoming more open and aware of how my relationship with God has really been, you know, it it helps. It helps me feel a little bit better about everything. And, you know, the music that I play, it makes sense now. Before, it was just words on a page. It was just chords on a guitar. And, you know, like today even, like I can just feel, I feel like God is there. I feel God's presence, and it's crazy, and it's insane, and it's very cool, and I highly recommend that, but, (laughs) you know, it's hard, and I've always been kind of under the impression that when things get hard, that God would kind of come in and just pull me out, right? If I was stuck or I was trapped, he would just come and break all the walls down, and boom, I was free, and I was okay. That is not how that works, unfortunately, Um, you know, he sends people and he gives you gifts and he does all these crazy things. And sometimes I forget because he's not there to literally tell me like, this is what I'm doing, Ellie. This is helpful for you. He's not there to point his little finger at me, but you know, he's there. And sometimes I forget and it's really tough because I'll get caught up in my head. (laughs) I don't even know where I'm going or what I'm doing. And, you know, I just have to take a deep breath, like Brad always tells me, and it drives me nuts, Brad. Um, (laughs) And, and, you know, maybe, you know, I have to remember that God probably is there. He is there. Who am I kidding? And that he loves me a lot. And even though things aren't perfect, I don't think, you know, life is perfect. It definitely isn't, actually. And, you know, recovery in particular is not simple. It's not you're sick or you're sad or you're hurt and then you're better. It's not like that. It's a roller coaster, a roller coaster that I personally don't want to be on, but a roller coaster nonetheless. And it's, it's scary. It's really scary. And I cannot emphasize enough how scared I can get and how frustrated I can get and how anxious and wrapped up in myself that I can get. But, you know, it's nice to know 
that, you know, God's going to be there for me through thick and thin all the time. And so even when I'm hitting a low point again, and it's not ideal, I know that God isn't going to sit there and be mad at me or punish me or point his finger at me and yell or get upset or disappointed. You know, he's going to sit there and he's going to send me a God hug, probably through Brad. And it's nice and it's helpful. And, you know, it's hard. I cannot emphasize, like, seriously, like, I've said a million times, like, oh, I'm scared, and it's hard. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to be weak. It's scary, and it's intimidating, especially in the society where we kind of paint everything in a light of just strength and confidence. That is not, (laughs) that is not real. It's okay to be confident. It's great to be confident, but it's also really, it's totally okay to be scared, and it's okay to not know that God's there, But when you're in those times of doubt and you just need to remember that there are people in your life to help you get back on track. All right, so let us pray. Hey God, I want to thank you for everything you have given me. The support, love, and respect is something you've always provided, even when I forget. Please help guide us through our pains and our troubles, that we may find the courage, the strength, and the confidence to be brave and vulnerable that we may find the support we need in times of peril, and that we may never turn our backs on you, even when it is tempting. I pray that you give us the power to stay strong, even when it's hard, and that we may find our comfort in your love. Thank you for all you have given, not just myself, but this entire community, as we are never truly deserving of your undying love. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.